0: From funding to finances, set up to staffing, the CEO Coach will break down the art of business development from the ground up by one of the experts of online business growth, management and development. Now, here to get you started is your CEO Coach, Jillian Musi.
1: Welcome to CEO Coach on April 4th of 2011. I've been running around the world again. I was headed home from Warsaw yesterday, and I read a fascinating article in just a regional paper coming out of Central Europe. It talks about the specific things that distinguish great entrepreneurs. So welcome, Nina. We're going to talk about what makes entrepreneurs tick.
2: Yeah, well, what makes somebody a great entrepreneur as opposed to just a regular run-of-the-mill average entrepreneur? How do you know if you're great?
1: Well, some of the things that people automatically think about, if you will, right? This, the entrepreneurial psychology, it focuses on creativity, tolerance for risk, a desire for achievement. These are all enviable traits, but they're not very teachable. So the article I was reading talks about the work of Saras Zaravasti, who is a pr- uh, professor at the University of Virginia's Darden School of Business. He was trying to determine how expert entrepreneurs think. And the goal is transferring the uh, knowledge, if you will, to aspiring founders of companies. Pretty interesting stuff. So while uh, he was at Carnegie Mellon, apparently, uh, this fellow was, um, oh, excuse me, it's a, a gal, actually. It's, her name is Saras, S. A. R. As So um, anyway, but, uh, while she was at Carnegie Mellon, uh, she uh, was working under Herbert Simon, a Nobel laureate, and uh, did some work on understanding how people grapple with specific business problems. So she identified 245 U.S. entrepreneurs who met her criteria as the following. They had to have at least 15 years of entrepreneurial experience. They had started multiple companies, both successes and failures, and they had taken at least one company public. Okay. So okay. those are the three attributes. We got Seems 24- like
2: fair. Seems yeah, like a pretty, good pretty set fair, of
1: criteria. Right? right. So it's seasoned people. They'd done multiple times, and at least one of them was successful and went public. All right. Pretty good. Um, so 245 met her criteria. 45 of them agreed to participate. Okay. Responses from 27 of them appeared in her conclusions, and the other reserved for apparently subsequent studies. But here's the interesting piece: what um, a th- 30 of these people actually helped to shape the questionnaire itself. So they were explaining what uh, elements the, of concern, if you will, really qualify, so that you could say, okay, this stuff is in the noise level, and these are signals. Um, what she did was she presented a case study about a, hypo- a hypothetical startup, and 10 decisions that the founders of such a company would have to make in building the venture. So these are the 10 um, signal decisions as opposed to the noise stuff, all right? Now, she put on tape recorder. She let these entrepreneurs talk. And uh, I've got some information here from this article about some of the things they said about how they handle things and how they make decisions. And I think that stuff is fascinating. It really tells you how a great entrepreneur looks at business in general, how it's different from a great manager. So if you're the one, it doesn't necessarily mean you will be successful at the second. Okay? So here we go. One one of the things that uh, Sarah said about entrepreneurs is that they're very much like iron chefs. They're at their best when they're presented with an assortment of motley ingredients and they're challenged to whip up whatever dishes expediency and imagination suggest. So the takeaway—it's
2: so it's the creativity, it's the creative well, problem solving.
1: Okay, here's something interesting. Um, I have thought sometimes that I would not be a serial entrepreneur, and yet I know in the back of my mind that I, I certainly have had a couple of you know little companies, and then one bigger one, obviously. So perhaps I even qualify already. But the other thing is that uh, when I was. Um, younger, I remember being in someone's home and a very uh, specific incident happened that now comes to light. And I go, oh, that is kind of the way I think. What was happening was we were visiting somebody out in the countryside in upper New York state and uh, the shops were closed because in those days and Sunday things really closed up in little towns. And um, there were a few things in the house and we had to figure out what to make for dinner. And I whipped up a dinner from it remembering, well, a little of this and a little of that, and we should use this, but don't worry, you can substitute that, and so on. And somebody made note about my ability to make a silk purse out of a sow's ear, or, if you will, putanesca something out of nothing. Right. Right. That's what this is talking about. And I know that I'm happiest, given a reasonable set of restrictions, which says, well, we only have this much budget. We have those kinds of options. You can't do the other thing. We don't have enough time for it. You can't do that thing. We don't have enough something else for it. So this is your choice, whatever you've got. This is your motley collection of options. Do something with it. Yep. So we also call that guerrilla marketing. Right?
2: It's like, what I do today? No, guerrilla marketing is a little more deliberate than that. This is to me creative problem solving. I would I would quibble with your choice of terms. Okay. I mean, so
1: how would you define guerrilla marketing differently?
2: Guerrilla marketing is much more deliberate. Um you may have limited resources, yes, but you're trying to get a message out about a particular thing, product, service, whatever, and you're using what you have. Um, so you may, ha- as I said, you may have the same limitations, but you have a very, very specific and goal, and you have specific metrics around the goal. If you're, you know, if you're making dinner with limited ingredients, there's less on the line, I guess. Guerrilla marketing,
1: you have to really well, launch yeah. something. Okay, big. so somewhere between dinner, guerrilla marketing, and a company, one increases, if you will, the clarity of the goal. The stakes on the table, no pun intended, or maybe pun intended, and and the uh, rigid following of the metrics around it. Um, Wikipedia, don't you all love this wiki stuff, right? Okay, anyway, but reasonable for things like definitions of things like guerrilla marketing. describes the concept of guerrilla marketing. It was invented as an unconventional system of promotions that relies on time, energy, and imagination rather than capital. So there are, I would agree, differences and then somehow this progressive similarity along the way. But the intriguing thing is that when um, great managers look at things, they see things uh, in a different light. They do it much more um, about setting the goal in advance and then doing whatever it takes to achieve that goal. Right, So we've got the goal, and then we move towards it, putting whatever resources require that way. The other, the entrepreneurial guy, is the one who says, here's my jumble of what I do have. This is what we could make of it. And by that, we don't necessarily mean a marketing ploy. We mean the actual product or productization of intellectual properties, all right. So in this particular case, what was described was a game that would be given to uh, perhaps universities where people, people could play the game and become better entrepreneurs because they would be taught how to make decisions in the way of great entrepreneurs. And these so is entrepreneurs, it a simulation? Well, that's what... Kind of what they were saying, kind of like a sim City thing, right, I guess, yeah. or, or a Sim whatever. Okay, so it's kind of like that. And what they were saying is, so here's your startup. We're going to create a game. That's what our startup company's product is going to be. Now, all of you go out there and make a great, you know, event. Go do it. Okay. So entrepreneurs took a look at it and great managers took a look at it. And they saw uh, it very differently. Sure. Um, Let's take a quick break here. When we come back, let's t- I'll uh, read you what the different responses were from the folks who looked at the project, and you'll get an idea of how entrepreneurs think and how they create the beginning of their companies. This is Julian and Nina Price, and CEO Coach.
0: Stay tuned. More on how to build your business on the web with the CEO Coach right after this. Rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Two, one, boost ignition. Ascend into new heights of ranking and revenue with a search engine friendly online shopping cart that's ready for liftoff. Introducing AscenderCart. cart optimizes your shopping cart with easy-to-use SEO tools that will help build keywords, titles, and tags for top search engine rankings. Get all of the advantages of having a shopping cart on your site and monitor your progress with regular reports in just a click. Prepare to launch your shopping cart to the top of the search engines with AscenderCart. Learn more about what a sender cart can do for you at ascendercart.com. A-S-C-E-N-D-E-R-C-A-R-T dot com A-S-C-E-N-D-E-R-C-A-R-T Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. The Cyber Law and Business Report, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Culture and Business Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Back with Jelly and Music, the CEO Coach, only on WebmasterRadio.fm.
1: And welcome back. We're talking about the characteristics which may be teachable of great entrepreneurs. What sets them aside, and what are the differences between great entrepreneurs and great managers? One needs both naturally in a business system and at different stages of the game, but in determining that absolute integral beginning piece of whether or not you're kind of cut out for great entrepreneurship um, and whether this is going to drive you crazy or make you happy. Here are some ideas around how entrepreneurs think and the most successful ones and I'm talking with Nina Price about what makes the difference between great managers and great entrepreneurs. Welcome back, Nina. I'm here, Jillian. Um, You know, I've, I've, I've
2: in in reading this stuff that you've been talking about and just in observing the people i've seen my guess is that um that managers tend to be really focused on numbers and doing things conventionally and entrepreneurs they're sort of that ready fire aim just you know they have a great idea and they just take action and make it happen and so Absolutely. often in a young company that's what you have to do you just have to throw caution to the wind and man- managers tend to be too cautious which is why they do what they do so well
1: Um, In many ways, you're right. There are different requirements at different stages of an organization. I talk about the nascent beginnings. Then I talk about the uh, growth stage, where you go from kind of zero to, you know, that $100 million size, and then you start – then you require a different group of folks to kind of manage the Boeing company, if you will, you know, the major – so those are very different stages of growth. Um, I'm going to read a little excerpt from how the folks in the uh, study that we're talking about uh, took a look at the uh, possibility of a new startup that would be a game of entrepreneurship, a little bit like SimCity or whatever. And um, it would simulate an entrepreneurship thing, and it would teach people to become better entrepreneurs. Okay, This is what they thought about it. All right. When asked what kind of market research they would conduct for their hypothetical startup, most of the subjects responded with variations, something along the following. Okay, so I need to know which of their various groups of students, trainees, and individuals be most interested so I can target the audience a little more. What other information? Let's see, I've never done consumer marketing, so I really don't know. I think possibly, I, I think I'd mostly try. I would, you know what? I wouldn't do this at all, actually. I'd just go out and sell it. I don't believe in market research. Somebody once told me the only thing you need is a customer. I believe that. Instead of asking all these questions, I try to go out and make some sales. And trust me, I'd learn a lot more about which people uh, wanted it, what their obstacles were, what the questions were, and what prices work better. Even before I started production, I'd know that. My market research would actually be hands-on selling. Yep, I agree. Yeah. So that is the the uh, concept of how an entrepreneur thinks, okay? A manager, on the other hand, would say, I would get in focus groups before we begin development, and I would determine how best to create a product to meet their needs. The other one says, I'm going to create a product and find somebody who wants my product, how best to find the best people to buy my product. And then they would say, okay, now that I've got a group of people buying my product, now you guys can talk to me. And here are some folks who want to buy my product, You guys talk to me. Tell me what else I can do and then you modulate. So that's where you were talking about ready, fire, then aim. Or, as Nike would say, just do it. (laughs) So here's another quote. (laughs) Ultimately, the best test of any product is go to your target market and pretend like it's a real business. You'll find out soon enough whether or not it is. You have to take some risks. You can sit and analyze these different markets forever and ever and ever, and you get all these wonderful answers, and they're still maybe all wrong. The problem with a businessman type is that they spend a lot of time with all their great wisdom and all their spreadsheets and all their Harvard Business Review people and they'd either become convinced that there was no market at all or that they've got the market nailed. And in both cases, they'd be wrong. Interesting. So I think that the first thing we came away with was this concept of the ready, fire, aim. If that's your way and you don't need a lot of validation in advance to be comfortable in getting your product to market, that's great. On the other hand, if you're also the sort that feels it's kind of my way or the highway, where whatever I've done in my product is the 100% perfect and there is no room for modulation, you are also not on the path to great entrepreneurship. So interesting stuff. Now, one of the curious things, by the way, about this uh, article or this study, really, is that it didn't just focus on technology companies. It focused on folks who were doing things like railroad uh, delivery as well as perhaps technology, but um, uh, shipping and delivery or uh, hard product in grocery stores, all kinds of things. So it really went across the spectrum. The uh, the piece about this ready-fire aim came from a fellow um, actually quoted in here, in the study, by Bruce Floor, uh, one of Sara's uh, original uh, CEO subjects. And he said that he recognized in her story many of the traits that her research had identified. His company followed this opportunistic trajectory. Um, run on effectual principles, um, and effectual thinking is uh, different, if you will, than uh, this managerial thinking. We'll talk about those two different pieces in a moment. But what he said was, in... Um, Let's see. Uh, Floor was a brakeman who had turned into uh, an executive at the Southern Pacific Railway. He started the San Antonio-based Railtex in 1977. He was renting hopper cars to quarry owners who needed to transport crushed rock to construction sites. By the time the company went public in 93, it was a leading operator of short-line railroads. The difference that he had created was to rent these cars rather than to lease them. In other words, the only piece that was different was understanding how the market needed to buy it. They needed less obligation than a lease would, would give them. So he said, we didn't need to look hard at the competition when we started out because there simply wasn't any except for trucks. Some companies were financing leases on rail cars, but we were renting them, and no one else had ever done that before. So competition was a problem. It wasn't not a problem. Uh, we did do some market research but we, because we needed this validation for the experts, right, to raise money. And experts sure. in quotes. But personally, I didn't need it. I knew it was a good idea. Okay. So, again, um, whether one does something is not the same thing as whether one needs it. Yep. Okay. So, as you work with folks, Nina, um, in terms of changing their careers, looking at what they're good at, uh, determining what to do next, do you find that they're evaluating themselves kind of along these lines as well?
2: Well, a lot of people are afraid to do that. <laughs> they make changes. That seems to be the problem. Is is the introspection, the self awareness? Uh, people are really afraid to look at what they'll find.
1: Okay. So what you're saying is very few entrepreneurs would have such a problem. And I guess that was kind of a leading question. That's what I was saying.
2: Because a lot of people today are, are giving up their, you know, working for somebody else and becoming their own bosses. And the people who have the um, intestinal fortitude to do that very often have the traits you're talking about. Uh There seem to be a lot of people who want to stick in the working for somebody else mode. And those people tend to be, as we said, more conservative, more um, conventional, and not as willing to take risks or look outside the box. Mm -hmm. And that's where it's challenging. Yeah. So The same thing can be true of uh, people starting small businesses who are trained, let's say, in a particular specialty. Um, You know, I... I work with a lot of healthcare practitioners, and it's just getting them to change their mind, giving them permission to be a little bit more creative and to to really step outside their comfort zone. It's really a comfort zone issue, don't you think?
1: Um, In many ways, it's a comfort zone issue. Sometimes, as we see, it's also about the um, kind of the natural traits of the person. You know, you're born with certain traits and not with others. I I get that too. The question is, could more entrepreneurial spirit? for lack of a better term, or entrepreneurial traits be taught. And that's what intrigued me about this study. Um, I think in some ways you're quite right, it can be. And yes, there's a lot of this stepping out of a comfort zone, which means it's stepping out of a trained role. You've been taught to do certain things, um, and whether you throw caution to the wind or whether you just see it as um, a strategic uh, process, to building a business is the difference between fear and the ability to dive in, you know, where angels fear to tread. Um, yeah. The difference I wanted to talk about was this effectual causal of, um, of, of thinking and so on. The, what does that uh, mean? Well, I, I'm trying to find the passage so that I can make this very clear for everyone as well. Uh, master entrepreneurs rely on what SARS uh, calls effectual reasoning. They're brilliant improvisers. The entrepreneur doesn't start out with a concrete goal. Instead, they constantly assess how to use their personal strengths and then whatever resources they have at hand, that kind of you know, stuff on the table, now let's mix it up, right? So it's their personal strengths and whatever resources they have at hand to develop goals on the fly. So yep. creatively then they have to creatively react to contingencies.
2: So it's that thinking in the moment that's, that's really, correct. really crucial. And being able to make mid course corrections and say, okay, I screwed up here. Let's what do we need to do differently? And being open to to looking at things differently and, and really doing things differently.
1: Right. The deal with entrepreneurship is that one never has the buffer around these, quote, contingencies, right? Those things that that slam into you from the side and so on. In a corporation of any size, you have certain amounts of increasing buffer so that you can operate within it without risk. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, I'm going to talk about the other kinds of thinking. This is Nina Price with Jillian Music on CEO Coach at WebmasterRadio.fm.
0: Stay tuned. More on how to build your business on the web with the CEO Coach right after this.
2: Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah,
0: because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google Help files. Ad Media tailors your all in one campaign to give your account a real advantage. AdMedia.com delivers cost effective ad solutions with real conversions. Learn everything Ad Media can do for you today. Sign up at AdMedia.com. AdMedia, strong ROI made simple. Shopping for the best e commerce tips, tricks, and
1: techniques? Looking for better ways to push your product out of your online store? Watch your shopping.